Blog Talk Radio. Hello, everybody. This is uh, Ursula in uh, N. It's uh, January 18th, and uh, we have a wonderful, wonderful show for you today, um, titled "The End of Coaching?" Question mark and the start of something new? Exclamation <laughs> mark. Uh, so, welcome everybody, and um, we uh, really, really want to have a lively conversation um, on: Is it the end of coaching? And is it the beginning of something new? <laughs> so, Ed. That's great. Hi, this is, this is yeah, this is the Ed and Ursula show. I was thinking about this as I was making tea this morning, and I was thinking about how delighted you and I get any time there's a chance for rebellion. <laughs> yes. Yeah, absolutely. Um, although it's... Um, well, I I guess it is a it is uh, uh, it is a rev- it's both I think from my perspective the way I see it it's both a revolution and it's an evolution. Oh, that's good. Yeah, you know what? You're right. It's not a revolution. It is, but um, it is really this. We so just a little bit of context. I mean, Ursula and I have been in the last year in particular really looking into the space of coaching and saying, huh. It feels like something else wants to be born, but, you know, as part of the beautiful coaching human development lineage, you know, not a separate alien baby, but, you know, a baby of all of our hard work. <laughs> so um, let's talk a little bit about kind of how we got got here, and, and we want to say right up front, we, we are just naming the baby. You know, the baby has been yes. co-created by all of us, and we do not want to say, look at how amazing we are. We have created this baby that none, nobody else has ever thought of because it's really come out of conversations. And, and well, kind of watch. Go ahead. Well, yeah, kind of watching what people were doing and, and mm-hmm. looking, looking at how what seems to be happening is lots of us breaking the rules. You know, and what I wanted to say is I, I find and that this is true for many things. Um, mm. There are, you know, from I think from the beginning of time, people have tapped into sort of a universal knowledge or a new universal energy that something needed to change or needed to be named. The baby was already, it was sort of like the baby was sort of born already, and somebody needed to finally say, no, this is what the baby is called. So, you know, let's call it something. And so this is what, you know, you know, this is what absolutely you're referring to. We have been, we've been having this conversation of where coaching as a field is going for years. We so really that baby sort of has been around, and then yes. came yes, the time baby. of saying, well, <laughs> shall we now name the baby that's been around for a bit? Or it's finally maybe getting getting bored, I don't know. Anyway, yeah. looking at, you know, kind of what are we talking about, not to be any more vague too much longer, I mean, part of what, what has enabled this new revolution, evolution, is neuroscience. And so for me and Ursula, you know, we'll just say there that you know there's some there's some big no-nos in coaching, and and we've taught coaching, and I've taught through the Coaches Training Institute for years, and you know, and 
you know, people are constantly trying to get out of some of the big, you know, taboos of coaching, which would be kind of the main ones would be don't give advice, don't tell people what to do for goodness sake, don't um, tell stories, and don't teach. Like, that's mm-hmm. not coaching. And, in fact, if you go on the ICF web- website, you'll see, you know, if you're doing these things, you're not coaching. So we kind of looked at each other and we said, oh, well, now that we understand neuroscience, we're doing all of these things. We're just doing them fairly effectively. So I guess the truth of the matter is we're not just coaching anymore. Mm-hmm. So let's mm-hmm. let's tell the truth about let's tell the truth about that and and not make coaching wrong, and and then as we started talking to particularly coaches who had a little bit of experience but also some new ones, they started you know I call it kind of fessing up too, confessing. If you yeah. say, you know, oh I'm constantly saying, well let me take my coach hat off and you know well you know let me do you want some advice on that and constantly in this breaking the rules place. And the problem with that is that who cares about the rules? And, you know, we say in our paper, there's no coaching police. So, of course, you can go break the rules. But it would be helpful maybe to have a framework to put this new evolution into. And uh, I love that you are um, connecting it to neuroscience because you are absolutely right when we um when we started talking uh, the neuroscience of of coaching and consciousness i think particularly for me it became clear that there was a way to develop another human brain a, another human being and i'm even saying it another <laughs> human brain rather than the right. human being um that uh that had particular brain friendly um uh, avenues, roads in that helped me expand on what I was already doing. And I think without the neuroscience, I was a little lost in what I could do and what I couldn't do. So yeah. I, you're absolutely right. I mean, I haven't ex- had never actually really made that connection. It was the neuroscience that gave yeah. us this impetus to say there are certain states in the brain that even when we advise and teach, that are incredibly useful. Right, and and it gave us, I think, more of the ability to kind of parse that out. And I think what ended up happening, here's my theory about it, is that for the most part, people were just constantly, well, you should, I mean, you say anything to somebody who's not a coach usually, you know, well, you know, my cat is sick, and they've got a million, the immediate, you know, response or reaction is, oh, well, I, you know, go to my vet and try this and did you do that? And, you know, God forbid you should, you know, say anything because people just jump right in with what you should do. And what we find with the neuroscience and with brain scan studies is that when people do that, when you just jump right in with your advice, well, here's what you should do, and in coaching, um, you know, at least through the Coaches Training Institute, we call that level one. You know, I'm not really listening to you. I'm just sort of coming in with what I think. You know, mm-hmm. it actually triggers this state in the brain where the person just, they call it an away state. And I think we can sometimes literally see people sort of like leaning away when we do mm-hmm. this. Mm-hmm. So yes. 
You know, I think what happened in coaching is the brilliance 25 years ago or so, and in our paper we talk about kind of how this evolved out of some of the other things that were happening at that time. But the brilliance was is we said, don't do that. Stop. Mm -hmm. Wait. Listen. Ask the person. Maybe and most likely and yes, they have the answer within. They are naturally creative resourceful and whole. And so, okay, this was a revolution at the time. And Mm -hmm. when we do that, when we ask people rather than tell them, it triggers a very different state in the brain. It triggers a towards state. People kind of lean in and parts of their brain that we associate with emotional openness, better perception, creativity, and learning, we see activity in those areas when we ask someone instead of just telling them. And I think all of us who have ever been told versus asked, we can, we, you can just feel this in yourself. You, know, you yes. just feel the difference, yep. right, Ursula? Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, absolutely. And I, I agree with you. I mean, when people do this to me, I literally lean back. It's like, whoa, mm. hold on a minute. You know, that's not what I need right now. Um, so right. I think, you know, coaching and, and, and really the discovery and then the naming of what was needed, you know, 25 years ago has really built such a great foundation of human development that I think we are ready to build on. Exactly. I love how you say that because part of what we're sort of coming to understand now is as experienced coaches and looking at a more robust field is that the baby got thrown out with the bathwater because, Uh and the scientific research bears this out, and I'll I'll give a story and example, and I'm sure we all have them and Ursula does as well, but if we've got someone basically primed in that state, so we've they know that we, we're in relationship with them, we're connected. We, there's mutual respect there. They feel respected and they respect us. And there's restraint. So, so they've already been primed in general, maybe not in this conversation, but other conversations, that uh, their brain is in that toward state. Then when we say, hey, actually, I have some advice for you. And especially when we give them a choice about that. Do you want it? It's so, you know, none of us, why can't we benefit from each other's experience? None of us hold all the knowledge or experience about anything. So I'll give you a, just an example of this. It's this just a simple one, but I was I have a client, and I've had her for quite a while, and we've just, one of those clients where we're just friends of the heart at this point, just adore each other. And we have been doing very standard coaching. And a while a while ago, as I've been, you know, working with this on Ursula, this new model, she we happened to get on the call and she said, you know, I just I just got this big dilemma about whether what I should do and I just wish somebody would just tell me. Now mm-hmm. all of the things are in place for her brain to be very open to me and you know the respect is there and she knows she doesn't she also knows she doesn't have to do what I say. And I said, Oh, I'll be happy to tell you. You want me to just tell you? Let me tell you what I you want me to tell you. because it was a situation had to do with pregnancy and it was a situation that I had been in having been pregnant. And I said, obviously take it for what it's worth. Here is my advice. She said, Oh my God, that makes so much sense. Thank you. <laughs> and 
it's a simple example, but I think those of us who are, you know, not trying to pass any particular coaching exam and just sort of being ourselves, I think we actually do this with our clients, and they appreciate it. Yes, no, absolutely. I I totally agree. I mean, I I have I have uh, these examples, and I really can sometimes hear this deep intake of breath on the other side, on the mm-hmm. other line. Uh, you know, of saying, "Oh, yes." You know, the other thing that's really interesting about this is that when um, our clients and when people are in this uh, brain you know, this open brain state, as I would call it, this toward state. You know, I, I have also seen it that when I, you know, when they say, oh, just tell me, just tell me, and I then tell them, because of the relationship and the restraint and this, you know, and the toward state that their brain is in, they often just, you know, ponder and then say, well, that's a, that's a good idea, and I think what mm-hmm. I like to do is this. So it it feels like that the whether it's advice or teaching, uh, it it in this open state it just gives them room to also sort of form their own opinion. Yeah, and I think you're right, and that has to do with the brain state that they're in. And so as we're mm-hmm. looking into this new model of human consciousness architecture, one of our we'll walk everybody through it in a little bit, but one of the parts of the model we call activating. And it's 80% of what we believe we need to do to be effective is activate the brain so that it's open, receptive, interesting, curious, and also self-aware enough that if it's not exactly the right advice, they just take it as information, not as codependency. And that's what you're referring to. Um, because I think that's critical. You know, that was another thing we didn't want to create in coaching is codependency. We also, you know, I think in the early days of evolving the coaching model, you know, one of the things that's really beautiful about it is it is all about the other person, just like therapy. You know, mm. it's not a friendship where we're saying, oh, and me too, and let's, you know, and friends help each other, but it's mutual but that there is this part of you're paying someone to focus on your life. So another thing we threw away was storytelling. We don't mm-hmm. tell stories. I mean, not if you're, you know, doing a classic coaching and not if you, you know, again, maybe want to get a particular coaching credential. You are not going to say, let me tell you about a time that that happened to me or mm-hmm. let me tell you, Um, You know, Ursula and I love to use stories from different wisdom traditions, Native American, Buddha. We've got lots of Buddha stories, lots of Jesus stories, just because they are often they're classic, classic teaching stories that are metaphors and that are really light up the brain and cause us tremendous, you know, create um, thinking in the other person. Mm -hmm. But we're not supposed to, we're certainly not supposed to talk about us, because mostly when people talk about themselves, it turns into more of a self-focused situation, right, Ursula? Yes, yep, yes. It becomes more of a, oh, me, me, you know, let me tell mm. you about about me. But I think from, and again, I think neuroscience has helped us understand what needs to be in place so that the story can really be a, a teaching story that can really um, help highlight a 
something, a point or a, an example that helps, you know, the, the client, you know, expand on what they already know. And, you know, stories create such profound connection. I, I love to think about, and, you know, when I was first studying neuroscience, I had to also dabble a bit in cultural anthropology as well because it, it can at least provide a potential explanation for why our brains evolved the way they did and why they react the way they do. And there's a, there's a fascinating study that talks about when we hear inspiring stories, those stories that really touch us, mm-hmm. we're actually processing them. Our brain stem gets activated. And the brain stem is the part of that just basically keeps your heart beating and your, you know, lungs breathing mm-hmm. and keeps us alive. Mm-hmm. And I find that riveting, that for some, in some way, inspiring stories touch us that deeply. They're not just a frontal lobe processing. They're, they're like a full body processing. Mm-hmm. And I think it mm-hmm. may, you know, it may be because we evolved, and that is how everything was passed on through the oral tradition. You know, I think we've only had the printing press for a few hundred years out of 10,000 or more years of humanity. Yeah, no, I, so, I completely agree. We, we, we pass uh, wisdom, information uh, on, you know, I, I mean, even though, you know, in the modern age of, you know, texting and emails, you know, if you think about a family sitting around the dinner table, that's often about stories, you know, remember when, you know, remember when we did this, or remember when you were little, those stories get, are being kept alive, you know, in, in families and with friends, it's, I think it's such a natural part of, uh, of human beings and human interactions. Well, you know, you're making me think of how the truly the way that we actually learn, really learn, our program to learn is through play and story. Mm-hmm. And so when that gets taken away, you know, thinking about um, my son called me the other day asking me for advice on something, and, you know, and I, um, I do believe in this activation, which is probably more like classic coaching, and I asked him lots of questions, and I didn't just give him the advice. I... We, we talk about the three R's of advice, relationship, respect, and restraint. So I mm-hmm. really restrained myself and, you know, was very, very curious before I got to the end of the small piece of advice because what I found out was what a good job he was doing. And mm-hmm. he was, it was a situation with a friend where he needed to be, provide some support. And what was interesting is that what he was already doing was he was basically being, being a good coach with them and I mentioned that to him, and he just talked about how much he had learned from just listening to me. And you were hearing me tell stories, not about people's details, you know, we always call confidentiality, but tell stories about the coaching process. His brain just naturally lined that up, put that in various places. When it came time that he needed this skill, he had it. Yeah, yeah. That's we very interesting. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's it's you know to, you know in in our in our program we talk a lot about uh, neural pathways and how uh, you know our brain really makes these new neural connections, and I think there's something to be said for getting into the habit of you know 
whether it's storytelling, whether it's advising, whether it's teaching, getting into this habit of um, of really, you know, as a coach, I think we have to create new neural pathways because yeah. it, it's it, these are aspects that have been sort of been taken away from us because it wasn't coaching, and we have to relearn how to do it well. Well, that's the whole thing. I mean, for us, you know, probably the key as we look at this new field is not whether or not we're going to do it. How do you do it well? How do you give Mm -hmm. advice that people take as part of the data that they use to make their decisions? How do you tell a story so that it is everything about telling that story is about the other person, their learning, not about me, even if it's a story from my own experience, and my focus and intent are really around creating an experience in my client. And we often talk about for storytelling, you know, like getting in and getting out. Because yes. really telling a story too long, no matter what, how great a story it is, unless you're really, really a master in the coaching interaction, you know, within a few minutes, the person really needs their chance to connect their own brain wiring to that story mm-hmm. and look mm-hmm. to see if there's meaning there or not. Mm-hmm. So there's a mastery, and I actually know there's some folks out there that are really looking at just this part of coaching, you know, story mm-hmm. coaching, and I think there's people with some new programs around that that I think that's great. Um, we want to bring it into this larger field where we're looking at a, a really different way of holding all of the things we do as really masterful human developers. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, so, and having said all that, um, shall we um, share the the model and what it stands yeah. for with our listeners so they get a bit of a sense of how these various structures where they fit and and how it will expand um, and build on what we are already doing. Yeah, let's do that. And I want to point people, if you want to, you know, kind of look look along and don't have to worry about making notes on this, if you go to beaboveleadership.com, there's a tab at the top that says Beyond Coaching. And this is a program we're piloting, so there's information around the pilot, which is February in beautiful Sedona. There's also a quick overview and if you, that just says, I think it just says that human consciousness architecture, an overview. And if you go to the bottom of that link, there's a, there it says for more information on the CATSU model, um, click here. There is a longer white paper. So that's a really great reference and we talk in depth. And so if you want to have notes, that's a great place to look. Um, yes. This, this is really, you know, I asked Ursula before we started, we sort of asked each other, what are, what are you excited about, about this model? And one of the things that we talked about is we think it has just amazing organizational impacts. And um, maybe let's go through the model and then we can talk about some of the work we've been doing in organizations. Does that sound good? Yeah, that sounds good. Okay. Um, so we are uh, working with a model. So we're calling this Human Consciousness Architecture, or HCA, well, being a, um, we call being an HCA practitioner, we're not using the word coach. And our model is has the acronym CATSU, which is C A T S U. Um, 
So we, let me, we can maybe just take turns here and, and talk yeah. about what they stand for. All right. So yep. each of these has basically two things it stands for. It's a complicated acronym just because we like to be complicated. So um, <laughs> the C stands for consciousness and co-creation. So briefly, we believe this is human consciousness architecture, so we want to bring consciousness firmly to the forefront of what we're actually doing in this field of human development. Um, And our rationale behind that is that uh, if you don't have a model of consciousness, we use the seven levels of effectiveness, um, which is our be above model. Without that, it's sort of just like throwing spaghetti at the wall. Anything you're doing with a client, you're just hoping it has a quote-unquote sort of good impact. But we're Mm -hmm. looking specifically at taking people up a ladder of effectiveness, increasing their awareness, really increasing the state of their consciousness because that's what brings the results that people want in life. So that's the C. Um, And the other C under there is co-creation. And this is a really firm stand that we have that it is a co-creative relationship where we are, it is for the sake of the client, but everything that's happening is being co-created and there's not one person responsible. So in fact, we're asking our clients to really show up intentionally, more so than even just having a topic. We want them Mm -hmm. to know the model as well and be able to say, you know, today I need advising. Or today I'm interested if you've ever been in a similar situation, I'd like to hear one of your stories. Um, or I want something totally different today. So yes, it really sounds, yeah. it's, it's, a, it's a much more of a partnership mm-hmm. um, between, you know, the human consciousness architecture and, you know, the person that we are working with. It's really... Yeah, it's more of a partnership. That's the you know the best way how I can describe it. Yeah, I, lo- I love that you say that, and it's really also about not creating codependency. So this is co-creative. So if I give advice, it's in a co-creative space, and there's no there's this is part of the design. This is part of what we keep coming back to with our clients. That it's not I am not your advisor or consultant. That I'm telling you what to do. I am sharing my advice in a partnership. It is your responsibility to feel, figure out where that fits in terms of what you want to do. Just as you said earlier, Ursula, that sometimes people come back and say, well, that's great, and I'm not maybe not going to do that, but maybe I'll do this. So mm-hmm. yep. we're not taking the, co- the, the practitioner, I'm still unlearning that old word, it's not taking yeah. full responsibility here. So. So that's the C. What's the A stand for, Ursula? Okay, so C, uh, we have, now we go to A, and there's also two A's. That's activating and advising. Um, And really love the concept of activation, um, which is really, I I really want to say that's really the, 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 at the heart of a human consciousness architect is to activate the, our clients' brains, our clients' thinking, our clients' hearts. And um, it's really, we, 
I mean, from a neuroscience perspective, there are so many different ways to activate a client's brain, and I won't go into it. Mm. Um, needless to say that um, when we really do this job of activation very well, everything else falls into place. Mm. I would say that activating is probably 80% of the job mm. of a human consciousness architecture architect. Um, yeah, so that's, totally. Yeah, I completely agree with it. Yeah. Yeah. Time. Anything else that you want to add to activation? No, it's the it's the hard. It's really the hardest what we do. Yeah. Because we. Yes. We, you know, maybe the other thing I'll say is people have heard of the idea of neuroplasticity and people, you know, the capacity of the brain to change and you know the need to. You even said coaches need to make new neural connections. There, you've yep. got a little ding going on. Um, you know, activating is really about activating neurons firing in the other person's brain, which is the problem if you just come in and give advice without this relationship, you know, and restraint, et cetera, um, you're not necessarily activating them. So really key. The the other I want to say about activation, and this is really um, why I love that we have this in here, uh, you were saying early on we don't want to create codependency and activation, yeah. activating the client's brain is uh, is such a powerful way to help the the client. You know, we haven't really found another way. The partner maybe. No, client. Client. Yeah, the client. Uh, when when they are without us, when they're not on the phone, when they're not in our presence, activation will really help them take everything they learned and they, they know into their own lives and repeat it again and again and again. And so this is one of the reasons why I love the word activation and what a, an HCA will be able to do with a client. Um, awesome. Okay, and then there is advising, and uh, ah. UN talked about the three R's. So really, human consciousness architects will understand that it really takes relationship, respect, and restraint when it comes to advising. Um, so it's really, you know, restraint is not rushing into it and giving advice. Respect is also a two-way street. There's respect from the client to the human consciousness architect and vice versa. And, of course, you know, over time we've created this uh, really connected, um, deep and trusting relationship that then advice sort of sits on this really solid foundation and uh, from a client perspective is being heard in, completely, in a completely different way as if we weren't you know, doing the three R's. I, I really love it. And, you know, the three R's for me are really one of those examples of we're just naming something that people are already doing. And if you can think yes. maybe a, a coach you've worked with who's given you advice or if you are a coach, how you give advice that your clients love. My um, assertion is you are probably a master of the three R's. You, you're giving advice within the context of those three R's. And if there's something else you're doing, please let us know because this is an emergent process and we don't pretend at all to have all the answers. So if there's another <laughs> R or something else, let us, let us know. But I think this is just us watching masterful coaches are realizing when we've given advice that people really listen to what was there with those two things. 
you know, I find it so fascinating as we're talking through uh, through all this that um, that there are many coaches out there that do mm-hmm. this already naturally. Um, yeah. But I think it helps to pull it apart and uh, make it a more intentional process. I do too, and I think about training new coaches, and you know, you know, the whole thing about naturally we hold people naturally creative and resourceful, and and um, that's really important in the coaching profession. And you know, this is the place that will trip them up. So people, you know, they'll have their supervisor, and they're giving advice, and and I I think. You know, and I get that as a pure coach, you're not doing that. But a lot of times, there they there's advice that's there, there's experience that's there. But how do we do it in this within this yep. bigger context? So yep. I guess what I'm talking a lot, but what I'm what I'm really passionate about, super passionate about, is helping people realize how to give their advice well. And I think about a friend, a mutual friend of ours mine and Ursula, who we adore and has very good advice on health and nutrition, but she doesn't exercise very much restraint. <laughs> she doesn't. And, and we love her. And, and, and it's always a hard, like we always kind of like the, the, if she had more of an understanding of the three R's and she had a little more of an understanding of what was happening to people, I think her advice would be taken to heart more easily. Yeah, it would totally land. It would land in a different way, um, you know, rather than launching into a, you know, <laughs> into this <Amazing>. whatever, <laughs> a, a tyrant, <laughs> um, you know, that that has me literally go, whoa, this is a little bit too much information. Yeah, so it's a, that's a really, really good example. Yeah. I, so I um, let's go to the, now. yeah, let's go to the T. Yes, teaching so, and telling. So Teaching and telling, and this is a pretty simple one, we know that there are things that human consciousness architects have to teach their clients. We know there are things. We know this from neuroscience. We teach our clients neuroscience because it is a tremendous capacity-building skill. And if I can explain to them, if I can take five minutes and explain to the person who is freaking out about stress in their life, what is happening in their prefrontal cortex because of the chemicals of stress? And if I can show them a little diagram and give them that concrete information, it often is helpful for the rest of their lives, and we can yes. refer back to it. So we want to highlight this and, again, not make the total interaction about a class, but say, look, there's room here, and you've got to bring in the context. It's one of the things we we notice that our students struggle with in our certification yes. program. Yes. That at, that they shortchange the teaching because their neural pathways around coaching, you know, it's putting on a red light. Like that's bad. It eh, it eh, don't teach so much. Just talk to the person. But what ends up happening is that the client doesn't have this really juicy, fascinating, interesting information. Now, again, they need to be activated. It needs to be the right time. You need to know how much is too little, how much is too much. There's mastery in the teaching domain. And it's not just neuroscience. It could be that you're an HR professional. It could be that you're a hiring professional. It could be that you know a lot about whatever it is. 
And again, I think Ursula pointed out, we were just recently doing this in an organization, and she really pointed out that the three R's probably go with everything in this model because mm-hmm. there's restraint in teaching as well, for sure. Yeah, and I, 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 it's interesting as I hear you talk about, you know, the, you know, teaching and telling, I am noticing that I'm really excited about the teaching part because I think I'm a natural teacher so, you know, holding back on the teaching for me, you know, in the past has really been a struggle because it's like, oh, my gosh, there's so much I could tell you. Um, right. And I, as you say, the, the, the struggle of our students when it comes to the neuroscience and teaching uh, clients is it's really when there isn't enough teaching, it really shortchanges the client. Because the information that is being taught may, helps the client make connection that without it they couldn't make. Yes, that's yeah, beautiful, beautiful, well, well, well said. And the challenge is again, how do you not make it about look at what a great teacher I am, keeping the attention on the other person? So again, we really want to practice this. Yep. So the second T is telling, which stands mostly in our model for storytelling, and we talked a little bit about how that really connects us on a deep level, we're really primed to learn through stories. For us, again, I think I said this, this is either, you know, let me tell you about a time when I went through something similar, um, as well as, you know, let me tell you about the man who went and tried to help the butterfly before the butterfly was ready to emerge from the cocoon. You know, these wonderful teaching stories that people then go, oh, yeah, that's me, that's what I'm doing. And, again, because it's co-creative, they can accept, reject, needs to be quick, and they need to make their own neural connections. The second part of the telling, this is a very minor, you know, 1% of the model, but we also think this is sort of fun because both Ursula and I have done this on rare occasions. Sometimes we just have to say, you know, I'm just going to tell you. I just want to tell you what to do right now. You know, or like my client saying, I wish somebody would just tell me. So it's sort of like advice on steroids. Like, I just have to tell you. Um, like, I've tried, you know, like, like you watch. It's literally, for me, the telling almost comes in those times where it's like I'm watching my client get ready to drive over a cliff. And it's a yep. cliff that I've driven over. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> or seen many people drive over, and I just you know they may or may not do anything about it, but I don't. I want to have permission, and I want to have permission with my client where this is the this is designed that I will tell you. Now, yep. you're gonna have a chance to accept or reject. It's not. Therefore, you have to. So, what's the S stand for, my dear? Oh, the S. The S are exciting. They stand for science and spirit, which I think is just beautiful. It's 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 perfect. They are sort of the theoretical framework that support Mm -hmm. the work of a human consciousness architect. You know, it it it's you know, imagine having a practitioner that stands beautifully deeply in both in the science. Mm It's helping, you know, your clients uh, understand the neuroscience as well as human biology and uh, really standing in this 
broad field of spiritual wisdom traditions and not letting go of either, but having both of them in this relationship. So in our case... I just have to say, Ursula, I'm just like drooling. You just make that song so sexy. <laughs> I know, I know. I love it. I know for me this is the most sexy part of the whole thing because yeah. I think, again, it's it's sort of like um, as coaches, you know, I mean, I don't know whether I'm making this up or whether this is just my perspective, um, but we are a little bit sort of trained out of um, our both our scientific as well as our spiritual side um, in fear that we might offend or, you know, do something wrong. And to be able to say, well, I'm just tapping into this wisdom tradition that I know something about, um, but it's not everything, um, is just such a beautiful, grounded, balanced way to bring Number one, cutting-edge current neuroscience and biology that includes the model of consciousness, our seven levels of effectiveness, as well everything that we know about how the brain works. And then looking at the spiritual aspect of a human being uh, not boxed into some religion, but the aspect that we are also spirit is... For me, uh, it's worth celebrating. That's really cool, and you know, I think this is this is something people, unless you've worked with us or really know us, it's something that I know we have such a reputation around the neuroscience and and also the seven levels. But it's this um, people don't always realize to the degree, Ursula, that you and I love the mystery and have deep deep respect for the mystery. And I think yes, even the more we learn about neuroscience, the more respect I have for the unknown and for the mystery and for the place they come together. So in, in our model, we, we really hold this, as you said, as a bookend. And how wonderful it is to be able to um, help others understand that sometimes there aren't answers, but that living in the mystery of the question mm. will bring about um, some magic Mm-hmm. which, you know, I think leaves so much room for both the practitioner as well as the client, you know, to explore the, the multi-layered uh, pieces of life. You know, and I, I think that sort of beautifully brings us to the you, which is undefined. So you, you could say this is our, you know, this is our way our way out, you know, we have we have the catch-all. To you, it's undefined or other, which I know isn't the you, but it's... Um, it's a place where it's a couple of things. One is that uh, every human consciousness architect has something unique about them. And so I guess that's another you to be undefined unique. That, you know, like I know people who work with horses. I know people who have a, I know a wonderful friend who has a conscious hiring practice. So, you know, that's very based in HR. Um, there's other people who uh, work with tarot cards. And so this is the place that says, you know, bring on who you are. Bring your beautiful, quirky, weird, or competent, businessy self, whatever it is, 
bring your full background and you get to be, you get to define it how you want to here as part of your practice. Mm-hmm. Um, this also leaves room for that there are things sometimes that people need that are going to be outside of what we do. You know, if I've got a client that, you know, might need help with present, you know, presentation skills, I might send them to one of my friends who does that. You know, yeah. I don't have to be everything. Um, we also want to help every human being find their own undefined, you know, like their purpose. You know, create more awareness around who are you, what's your unique magic in that. And it's uh, the other thing that I really like about the 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 discovery of the undefined is that I that sometimes uh, in my clients what I see there is a secret compartment in their hearts where they keep <laughs> some of the undefined um, you know a dream from childhood or you know a fantasy. Um, and that also, I think, you know, tapping into that and bringing that to life, I think, is really cool. Well, and I love that. And I think this also came out of working with new coaches, um, often when I was teaching um, CPI's uh, certification process, and where they felt like they had to sort of erase their personality. You know, take uh, yeah. away everything, every place that I've been in. And, and I've even had people who... Um, you know, come into coaching with a, with a really good business background and they've come, it's like they've sort of thrown it away and forgotten mm-hmm. all of those competencies. And we want, we're more of an integrative structure where we want to integrate who you are into how you coach, not throw it away or feel like you have to kind of wipe that slate clean. Take mm-hmm. from it, take from your past what you want that will really enhance your future, and yes. um, that's where we really want to honor honor this and honor the uniqueness. Um, I want to touch. So that's the model again. It's on our website um, as the Katsu model. Um, I want to talk a little bit quickly. We have a few more minutes about just how freaking awesome this has been in organization. So, yep. and just to let you know, we won't go through the whole thing, but. We use a modified version of this CAPSU model we, um, in organizations. I'll be, I'm writing a paper about that. That will be on the website as well. It's not there right now. Um, because the one we just walked you through is a little too complex. So we have what we call it, that's CAPSU, and then we have a mini CAT, which is like just <laughs> organization. Yep. And let me give you a bit of background to that. So, you know, Ursula and I over the years, and I have through the Coaches Training Institute and with other folks, done a lot of training of coaching skills in organizations, lots. Because organizations are starting to realize that they, coaching skills are fabulous leadership, part of the leadership toolbox. Mm-hmm. And here has been the problem everywhere we've ever done it, almost everywhere we've ever done it, is we come in, to teach the coaching skills, but people are not going to be coaches. They're leaders. Yes. And uh, what happens uh, in that uh, in that case is that uh, 
when it is purely coaching, it's hard for a manager, supervisor, a leader in an organization to completely and utterly just be a coach. Because we've always uh, very often had the question in regards to, um, well, what do I do when, you know, when someone, an, an employee comes to me and says, well, you know, I should be doing this and that. So they're really in organizations, the pure coaching skills were often raised a lot of questions. I think that's can sort of where you were going, Anne. Can you hear me, Ursula? Yes, I Am can I hear you now. You, okay. yeah, I, you, were, sorry. you were dropped, I dropped off. I dropped off. Yeah, that's where it's I was a, going. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I was just wanted to say to our uh, listeners that um, I sort of picked up the baton and uh, oh. you know, sort of carried on where you where you stopped when you sure, got dropped off. I knew you would. Yeah, it's this problem of um, usually by the end of the time that we would do a coaching training, people would start to get it. Oh, I get it. I'm not a coach. These are skills. But it was this initial resistance to yeah. where it fits. And that these are skills, but they're not the only skills. And when we look at the CAPSU model, what we can see is people need the other skills too. They need to know how to give advice because, frankly, you can't just tell them not to give advice. They have to. They need to tell stories and mentor. They need to give examples. They need to just tell people what to do. This is part of who you are as a manager. And as a leader, um, so this was what we often found was this resistance. It's like, okay, you're teaching me these coaching skills, but when do I use them? When don't I use them? And you're not telling me anything about how to do the other stuff well either. Yes, yes. So we're able to come in, and we've been doing this. We've been um, piloting this, and also some of our friends done at the Kelly um, Business School as well. And this, they were part of the inspiration to even create this captain model. Um We've been trying it out in organizations, and what has been wonderful is that when we come in early on, the beginning of the, of the day, we've had a couple, few different day-long trainings. We've been able to bring in some coaching skills and said, look, here is basically the thing you do as a manager, and lay that out. You, um, this, is, this is part of what you do. You also have to advise. You also have to teach, tell, et cetera. Then, when we go to say, this is now just, these are some skills just for this area, and here's how it relates to when you have to give advice, and here's why, according to the brain, you may want to start with more of an activating conversation first before you then go to tell people what to do, why you're going to get better impact. People listen on the edge of their chairs, and they engage with the coaching skill in a more wholehearted way with less resistance than we've ever seen in 15 years of teaching this. With less resistance, less questions, and a just more natural uh, way to integrate this into their daily lives. Now, the fascinating part about this uh, doing it in organizations um, has been for me that we do a little bit of a sort of a um, before and after, I would call it, you know, really oh, looking yeah, at, 
So yeah, you know, we've, we have a, you know, on a flip chart, we have the model and we, we ask them to give us a couple of work situations and then give percentages, how, by many percentages, how much they would do coaching, how much they do advising and, uh, and teaching and so forth. And so they get this chance in various work situations, <coughs> excuse me, to put the percentages down. And then we go into the coaching skills. And at the end of the day, we have them revisit their percentages. And it is fascinating to me that now when they go back, the increase of the percentages mm -hmm. where they would use the coaching skills is I mean, it's without fail, it goes up. Exactly. And so let me just clarify, when we do this in organizations, as I said, we simplify the model and we do use the language coaching rather than activating in organizations because it's an organizational friendly language. Lots of people understand coaching. It's basically the exact same model, but um, just to be clear about that, we do say coaching skills there, at least for now. And Ursula's right. They they um, buy into this with tremendous gusto um, after they've learned the skills. And, and I think that's probably true in general trainings without the model, but it gives them a, a way to see, and nobody's expecting me 100% of the time just to be a coach because now this is the right way. And that was the resistance that we had sometimes found in terms of training and organizations. Um, I want to say something about models. Uh, here's my, here's, I'm going to go a little academic for two minutes, Ursula. <laughs> um, go. <laughs> go ahead. Well, I, um, I was a philosophy major, so I love theory and I'm trained in theory. And, you know, was able to... Nope, I'm, I'm losing. I'm losing you a little bit. Can you hear me now? Yes, I can. Thank you. Okay, sorry about that. I was able to really see the power of theory, and this is very much the academic model. We're going to show you a theory, and here's what happens, and it's all going to be laid out academically. Then I, but it, but in terms of how you do it, and when you don't do it and how it works for people and all of that, often that can be missing in many academic settings. So then I came out and I learned how to be a coach. And there was very little or almost no theory or framework or model. And I, you know, it was all just experiential and, you know, to the credit of the Coaches Training Institute, we actually do have a coaching model, but that's not true in every coaching school. And it's a pretty basic model. And now, you know, some of my work has been to give more, even more robustness and science behind that model. But early days, 15 years ago, it was just practice, experience, try this, and you'll get it. Now, I think there's a, there's a validity to that as well, but it's like theory is horizontal. Think of theory as like horizontal um, threads on a loom. Okay, so you've got this horizontal. Um, practice and experience is vertical. No, ver I'm going to make theory vertical, practice horizontal. Sorry, there's a reason for that. Now, I don't mean to be too complicated. So vertical theory 
um, horizontal experience. So I had all this horizontal experience as a coach, very little theory until we started bringing it in ourselves. Now imagine you've got horizontal threads from practice and vertical threads from theory. You've got a tapestry. And I think this is what has been missing in the coaching world. We've been all horizontal. In the academic world, we've been all vertical. And the places where the two really come together well, we end up with fabric. So yes. that's, I think, what what the power of having a model like this and coming into an organization and saying, here's a theory, but we're not just going to talk to you about theory and put our PowerPoint up there for days on end. Now we're going to give you practice, theory, practice, theory, practice, and they walk out at the end of the day with something with a with a piece of fabric that they can take and use in their job. Yeah, I love the I love the the visual because it really gets woven together, um, you know, for the, uh, the for the students as well as you know for the participants, uh, you know, in the, in organizations. It really weaves um, these two pieces together, and I'm really seeing and that you know. Uh, talk about you know the tapestry the weaving together and the integrative um mm-hmm. aspect of the model and how beautiful this all fits together well thank you so a couple of things as we wrap up we are piloting this and what's really cool is that it is open to anybody who is an experienced coach you are very welcome to come Half of the folks that are coming are already masterful coaches, and it's open to anybody with any background whatsoever. So if you are just curious, if maybe you've thought about going to coaching school, but that hasn't felt quite right, or you're already doing something and this feels like, wow, it could really enhance what I'm doing, there is no prerequisite for this program. Please just come. And I think at last, um, we still have a few spaces available. It's in yes, February. Yep. Mm-hmm. February 17, is that when it is? Uh, yes. 17, yes. 17, 18, 19, 20, 17 to 21 in gorgeous yep. Sedona, Arizona. Um, so wonderful, amazing group. If you do want to come to that, you also have the, the um, very cool... Uh, credential, I guess, out of coming or bragging rights, being able to say you were in at the launching of a new field. And we really have a lot of confidence that this is the next field of human development. Um, I also yeah. want to say is if this is something you think would be a good fit for your organization to help them understand where coaching fits, be above leadership. We work extensively in organizations. We work with a number of um, multi, large multinational um, companies, and we've been bringing this in. So please just contact um, Anne at Be Above Leadership or Ursula at Be Above Leadership, and we are happy to talk with you about bringing this into your organization. We also will be looking at how this, how people can take this and. Um, work with it, maybe bring it to their communities, things like that. Once we're done with the pilot, we'll know more about, um, you know, your own training opportunities. So if you think, God, I'd love to teach that, please come to the pilot because at a minimum, the prerequisite for being able to train this will be you have to complete the, you have to complete the training. But that is going to be something we're looking at as well. 
Yes, wonderful. So um, thank you, everyone, for listening. We appreciate uh, hanging out with us, and we hope that we gave you some food for thought. Um, and thank you for um, hanging out as well this morning. Um, our website is beaboveleadership.com. And if you have any questions at all about today's call or content, email me at Ursula at beaboveleadership.com. And Ursula is U-R-S-U-L-A. All right, and have a lovely day, everybody else. Um, thank you very much, and hopefully we'll see you in Arizona. Thanks, Ursula. This was a lot of fun. Take care. Yeah, bye-bye.